What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Good morning, Thursday morning here on Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, Shane Schillerberg on the board running things over there at Hale Varsity Club this morning. A great venue for you to spend all of your uh, all of your time when you want to watch your favorite sporting event. Come to Hale Varsity Club, just a, a, a fantastic place for food, drink, and all things sports. Now. Um, we start today with shocking, shocking news that completely blindsided, blindsided Husker Nation. We realize this is sensitive information and could be triggering to some. If you or someone you know is struggling with issues like this, visit the Get Help tab on the Nebraska Coalition webpage. A number to dial is 888-799-7223 or text START to 887 887- Eight, eight. Mickey Joseph was arrested for strangulation and third-degree domestic assault yesterday afternoon. And Nebraska has currently placed him on administrative leave. Now, some may be asking, what is, what is third-degree assault in Nebraska? What constitutes third-degree assault, third assault in Nebraska? So a person commits third-degree assault in Nebraska if he or she intentionally, intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly causes bodily injury to another person, or threatens another in a menacing manner. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's a, a super uh, difficult situation, I think, uh, for a lot of people involved. And you know, I went through this in my head uh, a lot yesterday, just kind of the highs and the lows uh, went back and looked at my my text thread um, and kind of my conversations and you know we were just coach Joseph and I were gonna get together two days ago uh, for dinner then we talked yesterday about what his schedule was um, he had the zoom with Tulsa you know I, I text him at 1233 are we uh, you know, we good to go. You know, I wanted to know about the Zoom. He said, I have to uh, meet with Coach Satterfield, so let's hold off because I've got to have some serious discussions with, you know, my family. And when I, I called him just to make sure that he was good and, you know, he'd hung up on me. So I didn't I didn't I didn't think much of it but uh then the rest of the afternoon unfolded and I read the timeline and it it started to make sense and so for me um you know a ton of things went through my mind right it's family that um I obviously know really well um just had breakfast with coach Joseph and his kids Friday um, 
saw Mickey's wife on the way to the the workout facility at the hotel. Uh, spoke there, gave high fives, some dabs, and and uh, and and so many things went through my mind yesterday. And first and foremost, I feel like um, this isn't about being right. This is about getting it right. And so there's a lot of information out there. I think the the general public isn't privy to, and that's okay. Um, we'll see what happens today after um, the arraignment. And bond is set you know you cannot get out for domestic violence which i don't know if you know this unfortunately uh andrew and for some of our listeners i know all too well um went through an episode when i was in lincoln um i did not make the trip to michigan state and um I had a bad ankle and was at home. It was late um, and had a, um, my significant other came by, had a secure building. It's probably, I don't know, 2.30 in the morning. Uh, there was a disagreement over some pictures. Uh, one, and I had a huge shoebox full of pictures of her. I put them on my wall. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, proceeded to uh, get into an altercation about whether to come in my building or not and so I'm and I'm only telling you this to set the stage Mm -hmm. right because it's personal to me I've had domestic violence pop up in my family and uh, there's this situation that I can speak to firsthand so when situation was going on there was some back and forth through the door and Turns out I'm, I go back upstairs to my apartment and I'm the one that ends up calling the police. It's, my license, there was some issues going on with my vehicle outside. And so in the meantime, my neighbors had buzzed her in. Like they, she came in when they came in. So there was like some pound on my door and and I came out, and I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on? And, and, and I remembered distinctly, like, like kind of her lunging at me to, like, get my stuff. So I'm, like, holding her hands, like, protecting my face, like, around her wrists. And I'm like, hey, you know, we're not doing this, yada, yada, yada. So I walk, I walk, I kind of tumble or whatever down the stairs just trying to get out of the building because we, I, I have neighbors so in the meantime when I'm in the parking lot you know she's kind of just pushing and shoving and there's some grabbing and there were some scratches um, on my face and about so she ends up leaving so about 20 minutes later there's a knock on my door and it's the Lincoln Police Department now we're talking probably I don't know, 3.30 maybe. And they explained to me the situation. And they had checked out the police call. They had been to her house. And she had some marks on her wrist. From, evidently from Mm -hmm. the restraint. And um, 
you know, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the domestic violence policy, whatever, whatever. And so I was arrested. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, what about my this is my story. this is totally backwards. And Langan Police Department, uh, I I felt even then I felt like they did a really good job. Like I think if those officers are still on on staff, like they will tell you. Um, super complicit i felt like they explained it to me well and i didn't think it was fair but they explained it to me and um i said hey you know that's not what it was you know so short story long um you know i had to meet with coach osborne the the very so that was saturday night going into sunday morning caught wind of it uh the 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 next monday because that night Lawrence Phillips had gotten in trouble as well. And I don't know the backstory about why my deal came out the same time LPs did, but, you know, somebody had joked about the hair, you know, you want Benning's mugshot too and whatever, and Coach Osborne called it like 5.45 in the morning. It was 5.40 in the morning because I didn't think, you know, a whole lot of it. And um, my roommates came and, and, and got me out the next day, which was on a Sunday. And so... um. I remember Coach Osborne telling me, and this is kind of the beginning of the nugget for Coach Joseph mm-hmm. and their family situation because there's a lot of feelings and kids involved. And he said, he asked me my side of the story, and he told me that I better be telling the truth. He said, you better be telling me the truth or you're gone. So, you know, I was a, I was a little... Um, uneasy about that I felt like I mean, I remember I'm young and and I don't see quite things as maturely as he did right I'm like but I'm right in this that and the other it turns out short story long she didn't press charges the state the district attorney picked up charges Gary Lacey at the time and on a Tuesday or Wednesday um, because my neighbors had caught wind and this was unbeknownst to me my neighbors came forward to say what they saw to support what I had told the staff short story long they ended up dropping the charges exonerated whatever it's not like the only people that issued like a public apology it was on ESPN and I remember Kurt McKeever doing an article in the Lincoln Journal Star and and Tom Chattel did one here you know you know the smile back on Benning's face and this that and the other and, and I immediately flashed back to that yesterday because a couple of things happened number one i kind of figured out like who's for me and who isn't but again this i'm gonna eventually not make this about me mm-hmm. it's amazing how people just want information but don't really care about the fact that i'm extremely close with this family so right. that was disturbing unto itself the other thing was we don't really know what happened we we know that um, we know what the report says. I know that uh, there are a couple of other adults in the house. We'll see what the police report says and how it actually um, has presented it itself. What um, Priscilla will proceed to do today. What the other uh, adults one was both were in the basement um, at the time. One was called to the resident. This I know just because it's obviously close to me. So I can, 
and and that will be that will be for another discussion that's not for that part is not for me to say and i'm not trying to one up you got to hear my heart i'm just telling you that there is a lot of information that is not readily available to the public so i'm just taking the wait and see approach saw a lot of nasty things on social media that's shame on me for being on social media there were a lot of assumptions were made and unfortunately i felt like it was kind of a male female thing and i just want to i want people to guard against that and just understand this one isn't about being right it's about getting it right and so whatever the justice system decides after they get all the facts i just want people to have an open mind mm -hmm. And I'm serious, Drew Down, because there's so we're so quick to, with limited information, and have things based on optics, paint things a certain way, and and by no means should we use anything that's transpired in the last 24 hours to validate or vindicate job positions on staff right there's just a certain level of people decorum that we've got to use this isn't about this this isn't about the job situation this isn't about anything other than a family that is going to go through a very difficult situation with kids involved for whatever the reason and you know i try to reconcile um what i think i know what i do know what i want to say what i can say what i have to be patient to say and all at the end of the day know that real people that i care about are in Right. Vault. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's a lot. I, I just, and, and I mean, we'll obviously take calls. I, I can't remember the number uh, off the top of my head. It's 888-something. 638-4876. Um, I just would ask for uh, patience mm -hmm. and, and a little care and concern because I think it's interesting. Andrew, when whenever real life happens, I think to people and and they're in vulnerable positions. It's it's strange how there's the kind of this this human need to to validate what it is that we've thought all along or what we believe. And sometimes it just rarely is that the time, right? It's like you gotta you gotta pull back a little bit and and look at it in, in its totality and actually see what's going on for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Don't, just, don't just see what you, you want to see. see to validate your thought process because there were a couple of other adults there and I do know one was, um, another was called to the resident to help, residents to help alleviate the situation before it escalated. Like, those are things that I know mm -hmm. for a fact, right? So, I mean, I, 
I, I guess we'll see what people want to share, what people are willing to share. But at this particular juncture, as I look at, you know, a family that I care an awful lot about and on a personal level, uh, a coach that is a, an extremely good friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, you, you're just hoping for the best in a situation like this. You know, a couple of days ago, not only I, but we, and I would even venture to say Husker Nation, lobbied to keep Mickey on staff. Mm-hmm. It was 100% based on coaching, right? But as we talked to you this morning, of course, everything changed. It, this is something that I always say about social media. It, it goes to show regardless of what you see in the media or what you think you know about a person, you only, know base, you only know that person based on what you're being shown. Mm-hmm. So in my case, my relationship with Mickey Joseph is what I see in press conferences, how I saw him coach on the field, how I saw him handle recruits. And it was 100% based on coaching. But you don't know what's going on in somebody's life behind the scenes. Yeah. And I agree to your point 100% when you say patience, because patience needs to be taken here. You know, I use the words authentic and genuine to describe him as a coach, and I think those terms can be looked at at a couple of of different angles. When on the one hand, authenticity is everything you are, everything that you stand for. And then on the other hand, it could just be pieces of somebody's life. So don't dive too deep into what people have said about Mickey Joseph over the years, for one. Mm-hmm. Handle the situation with grace. Because, not, I mean, I'm a man of faith. I'm hurt for the people and the parties involved here. I really am. And I'm an outsider looking in. I don't even have the same relationships that DB has with the Joseph family. And I, I, I pray for those affected in this matter. And my biggest, my biggest point of emphasis here is before speculation happens, before assumptions are made, I want to hammer this point home. Before you speculate, let the facts come out and tell the story. Let them surface. Don't just sit back and start making up what the story you want or think that should be told because you hear something here, you hear something there. Let the facts surface. And then accountability can follow if it should follow. Yeah, I I think in this particular case, Drew Down, it's awful complicated because I think for... There's going to be a fine line. I'm just going to say this. There's a fine line between what we should know versus what we need to know versus what we ought to know. And for, I think, the family involved, how can I say this? Um, there's a lot of layers mm-hmm. that they would have to unpeel going back to tell the whole story. Hopefully, I'm, this is on the fly. This is live radio, so... But that's really what I'm trying to say. And I don't know if the family would want to or should do that. I'm just an innocent bystander that that cares. Mm-hmm. But 
I, th- in in my opinion, in order to I think tell the complete story, if they want to, it's a listen. It's a it's a private matter, but it's a public figure. So the fine line that they have to walk is, as a as a public figure, what do I want to do to either validate or vindicate whatever it is people think about me. Versus I need to protect my family going forward because we, we have young people involved. I mean, just imagine balancing that dynamic. Do, and I don't care if you're Mr. or Mrs. Joseph. Do, do I double down and save face for me at the expense of us? I don't envy that task. I don't envy that discussion. But I just think I can safely say with 100% accuracy, it's, it's, it's bigger than the moment that escalated yesterday. And, and I think it, it's such a private deal. And privacy is something that just hardly exists anymore which and, and is which is a shame so that's the thing that like if which you're asking me like golly why are you so emotional well yeah it's obviously a very good friend that and i li- not, that I, I literally just talked to right roughly as i piece this thing together 10 minutes before this escalated which he appeared to have a i don't know mm. I'm, I'm not going to speculate there's i just don't know what I would be willing to do. Do I just shut it down and say damage done and, and try to and, and piece it together? Or do I want valid? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I really, really would just caution people um, to just kind of take a step back in its totality. And it's okay to not have a strong opinion. Mm-hmm. It really is because it's easy to drum up social media and people can look it up later and there are young people involved and you have some strong-willed people and you have some people that are in some difficult spots, right? Mainly folks that were in the house at the time. So um, it's a lot going on. What to say, what not to say. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a tough situation all around. And when I said privacy doesn't exist anymore, which is a shame, I'm not saying privacy of the incident so that it gets you know, brushed under the rug. I mean privacy for the family. Yeah. And in this case, when you're talking about a high-profile figure in the city of Lincoln, it's going to be hard to Well, even reading the initial priest private. report, right? Mm-hmm. Typically, it's not something they do in a situation like this, but given the high-profile nature of the incident it uh is very 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 you, difficult. you said a great point there though db because caution you use the word caution we should all take caution and care and show respect to the parties involved uh, these here. are real life people um and if you need help again or if you know somebody that needs help visit get the get help tab on the nebraska coalition webpage the number to dial is 888-799-7223 or text start to 88788 but you know we just really wanted to approach 
this delicate situation with as much caution and care and respect. I mean, I respect is a big thing here. Something yeah. to grasp onto because not only is, is does respect need to go to the audience, but more importantly, the parties involved. I get it, man. It's a it's a tough situation, and uh, I just again the moral of the story is take care of one another without it being at somebody else's expense we'll take a short break coffee and cream next welcome back coffee and cream in the morning on hail varsity radio powered by currency alongside damon benning andrew rogers and i want to just touch on one thing before we move on db i want to say thank you for sharing your perspective i know the audience out there appreciated it too uh you're welcome i don't know what to say like i was um i don't you know those are not always uh, they're not easy conversations and they're not comfortable but i think all that uh gosh it's just what i would ask of anybody almost just whatever you are like just just be that and then you know the 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 rest will to will sort itself out like um it's a long 20 hours i just and i have to do better right because i'm one of those guys ar that i'm typically going to always say okay what can i do differently because it can't always be somebody else's fault right and i had to learn that the hard way and 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 so when i'm reading and listening and and fielding calls and and text it's like I can't be mad at those people. I, I've got to be better with being able to use my colander or strainer or however it is that s- sifter that, mm-hmm. you know, you shake all that stuff out. You, you, you keep what matters and you, and you get rid of what, what doesn't. And I just, I just don't want to give people power over the way that I feel if just because I don't agree with their stance, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm competitive, so I look at that as a deal for me, like, all right, how can I be better? Uh, and it's stressful because I'm human, and I'm going to have those moments where, you know, yesterday I sat outside my – and I'm just hung up with you. I, I'm sitting outside my kiddos' tryouts, and I don't want to go inside – because I don't want to have any discussions. So I don't watch my kids' tryouts. Man. Because selfishly. It affects more than just the people involved. Because it affects the people so close to. So then I'm not happy with myself. Right? It's like. He's talking to me about his tryouts. And I'm like. I should have been in there. Well, I should have been in there. Why wasn't I watching his tryouts? Well, you know why I wasn't watching his tryouts? Because I didn't feel like I knew people weren't going to respect. I don't know. I felt like people weren't going to respect the situation. Mm-hmm. And it was super volatile. Well, and we're not, attention we're not, we're, comes from that, too, when you step and I, and into I don't want, and that's the not building. My, and you know and that's yeah, not my thing. And you don't want to get that attention, for one. But at the same time, you don't want to have those conversations, too. You want to be there to support your kiddo. And the 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 back and forth that you had to go with inside of your body saying like do i go do i not do i go it's, do it's, i not by the time you're you finally make a decision i bet I, the tryouts were over i missed it yeah and, and like 
man, I so then that, you, that so, sucks. So that so sucks because it affects more than just the people involved in in the initial party. So then I overcompensate, right? You know, and it's like, oh boy. And these are just real life things. I mean, I'm sure our listeners are like, whatever. But uh, it uh, that's kind of how I feel about like the situation as a whole. The immediacy of what transpired yesterday is one thing. The effects going forward are a whole nother. That's why I always, even in Twitter discussions and when I get into these intense discussions or, or radio debates or callers or whatever, like I think one thing I always try to figure out is what's the long game versus maximizing in the immediate future. Like, do I want to count fast dimes or long nickels? And that's kind of how I want people to handle social media. That's how I want people to handle the coach rule hiring. And, like, it's all a delicate dance, you know. And and I think it's why I don't mind talking to, to um, getting other opinions. Because occasionally I'm going to learn something. And I feel like the more equipped we are with how other people think, whether we like it or not, the better we can function. Because I'm a coach at the end of the day, right? Coach in my household, uh, coach on the field. I get coached here, you know, whatever, with people that are smarter than me. And it's just like, at the end of the day, I want to know my opponent. Do you know why I watch so much huddle? I want to know the plan of attack. And and sometimes it gets to be overwhelming, and I don't need to know that they're in queen trips 17% of the time or a two-by-one 81% of the time. And when they do, you know, I don't. sometimes I don't need to know that. But I do feel like I'm better equipped if I know how you want to attack me, which is why I like getting multiple perspectives. And I'm telling you, sure as I'm sitting here about yesterday, LPD had a hard time. I mean, from the time Nebraska the had a hard time, Nebraska has a hard time. Coach Joseph and his Husker wife Nation H. settling in on this news. It has to be difficult like, too. It it's, it it affects more than one, and especially for you, man. I I don't want to cut you off here, but I it's not about me, my guy. It isn't. I swear. No, 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 no. But I appreciate you sharing your firsthand account too, because not only does this does this hit so close to home for you, but you're right. It affects real people. Like yeah. these are moments that affect real people. And, and I and I the only reason I told the old story in Lincoln is because it took some people with some courage that believed in me to give me an opportunity. And sometimes you're at the mercy of other people being honest. And there's and that's hard, mm-hmm. right? And so all these things were were um, going through my head. As, as, like, I'm on record, man. Like, I'm a Mickey guy. I was, I, I mean, I am too. And, and, and nothing's, sh- listen, hear my heart. Nothing has changed. I am, I am a Mickey guy. I think I know what yesterday was about. I think I know who he is as a person. I think I know what that family dynamic is like. And I feel comfortable Saying, and I'm not afraid to say that. Like I'll, I'll take the heat later, um, if need be. I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. But um, the, 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 the nucleus of that family, 
going forward, I think is 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 my main concern because um I mean it's man I'm it's about the kids. It really is. The adults will figure it out at some point. Mm-hmm. It's got to be about the kids and I've sat next to those little boogers, man, and and I've watched them interact and and uh there's going to have to be some real honest conversations going forward and that's the part that I'm curious to see do I do we do we just take one for the team or do we really try to get this mm-hmm. thing right let's take a, a call here on line one we have Michigan Lance Michigan Lance you're on the show thanks for joining us uh, your thoughts on Mickey well good morning Andrew and, and Damon it's uh, great to hear from you uh, hi Lance hold on maybe I gotta get you up what's up buddy I hear an echo, so it's kind of throwing me off. Um, so, I, you know, this is a tough deal to deal with. I wanted to talk to you guys about Michigan later in the week. Kind of died, real stuff died down. You know, you have. To, I try to be consistent. Damon knows me, and I try to be consistent about whether I'm talking about a public figure and a and somebody personally I know. And I try not to waver on the two. You, you know that about me, Damon, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, I, and I've always been like, hey, whatever's going on in your private business is not my business. I always judge people what I know you from professionally, not your personal life. And, and so, this is tough because we're not in that world anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a gotcha world let's get in everybody's business and I don't know if it was the OJ case in 94 or was it Tiger Woods I can't remember what year like when we started to say hey let's go in person and, and we've been on it ever since I think it's just and been the lighter fluid you have to, say that again I think it's just been the lighter fluid of social media like over the years. Yeah, right, right. And so, oh, that's better. I don't hear an echo anymore. Oh, well, yes, I do. So, it's tough to def- it's hard to defend people publicly because at the end of the day, you don't know what somebody is going through or what they went through and what they haven't gotten over. I, co- I completely agree, man. And, and I so, agree. even though Damon Michigan Lance, we appreciate the phone call. Thank you so much, Zach, okay. Zach. Stay right there. Stay on the line. We'll get to you next here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio. And then after we talk to Zach, let's dissect some of the new staff. Yep. Let's get into some of Matt Rule's new coaching staff. That's next on Hale Varsity Radio. are back. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. Your calls now. We have Zach on line two. Zach, let's get to you. Sorry we made you wait a little bit longer than you probably thought you were uh, going to have to wait, but you are on the show now. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Zach. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up? Hey, how are you? Oh, uh, you know, just living the dream. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Hey, hey, I just give you boys credit. Um, thanks for doing an awesome morning show. You know, 
it's a very delicate matter. And I, I, I actually give me one second. Sorry. It's okay. Oh, shoot. Yeah. There we go. Cool. Um, I just want to say, like, putting on a great morning show and uh, attacking a delicate situation with, um, I don't know, with big gloves and doing it the right way. There's a lot of facts that still need to come out, and it, yeah. it, it's a tough situation for involved. Zach, I, I appreciate that, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do too. I couldn't agree more. It is, uh, it's super delicate because what you don't want to do is 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 form opinions without all the the details. And I think optics is a dirty word, right? Right. Because it means that you're formulating opinion on how something looks without having all the information, and I think it's tough. Oh man, it's tough, and well, it, it's the society that we live you know, in. So we're know, surrounded by it every day. So that's that's the even harder part. Opinion, yeah. You know what I mean. I mean, <laughs> oh boy, man! Like life comes at you fast, right? No, how about our oh. last two months, right? Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> full speed ahead. Uh, life, life comes at you fast, and I think you know it's important to surround yourself with people that right. are for you too. So, uh, Shane, we you got Michigan Lance. Zach, back thanks so much, man, for the call. We appreciate I you. Think, I think Michigan Lance. And then back on line one. Sorry, Michigan Lance, we had to cut you off there. We had to go to break, but you're back. Thanks for coming back. No, man, it's all good. Hey, I I really thank you guys for having me back. So, domestic violence, right? So, so Damon knows it. He just talked about it firsthand. I know about the domestic violence. I've seen it in my life, right? And so, I just called Suge, right? I just, the first time I called you guys, Suge said, "Hey, what do you want to talk about?" I was like, well, yeah, obvious, you know, the obvious Mickey. And he was like, well, what do you want to talk about? What are you going to say? And I'm like, and that triggered me. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean what am I going to say? Like, what do you think I'm going to do? And he was like, no, man, I just want to hear you uh, say, Shane, you crazy. (laughs) I was like, oh. So he was about to get a different Michigan land. <laughs> but 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 you rallied. You, but you rallied. Hey, thankfully you have a great sense of humor, Michigan Lance. Well, yeah, I had to he think calls, like, he calls oh, him he wasn't Shug. okay. I'm like, Shug. And so again, you don't know in the heat of a moment of something what you're gonna do as a reaction or what somebody's gonna do to you. And so you can't sit back and judge, and you also. You can't be quick to judge, and you can't be quick to defend because you don't know at the end of the day, man. And it's and this situation is tough. It's hard. It's not good. Like you said, kids are involved. D- Damon has spilled his guts on the radio for over 10-plus years, right? <laughs> and we've had in-depth conversations where I have to say, hey, Damon, you need to take it back. Yeah. You got kids. Mm-hmm. Like, and they have friends listening and parents listening like, hey, man, that's not fair. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, we're in a world where we have to get into everybody's business. And the the people's families, whether it's immediate or, or exterior, like, get, are affected by it. And then, then on the larger scale of sports, whether people want to believe it or not, like – we feel like uh, the majority of black people feel like sometimes when a public figure does something, it affects them. 
or whatever they're trying to do within that field or just in life general. And I've had that in moments in life. Damon, I'm sure you had that in moments in life. I mean, I remember what you talked about with your dad, how much he loved OJ. And then the OJ thing happens, and that affected him a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he didn't know him personally, but he represented a certain yeah. type of way. And, man, it's just, this is unfortunate. It hit home for me, Damon. I know, of course, it hit home for you. Um, and, man, it's just unfortunate situation, and we just got to wait and see what happens when the smoke clears. But, man, I'm hurt for Mickey. I'm hurt for his family. Because even, let's just say, Whoever is the aggressor or whoever did something, like, I, and I'm not saying he did or, or he didn't, I don't know, but people forget, like, if somebody does something, man, that affects them too. And not saying that that absolves them of any responsibility, but if, but if something happens and somebody does something negative, man, that means something negative is going on within them, and that's the reaction that they give. Mm. Yeah. He brings up, fellas. Go ahead. I thank you guys again. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, thank you, Lance. Hey, you know he brought up a great point because that's a good point. He he said exactly how I like I have like I feel and the perspective that I have for Mickey Joseph here by bringing up the story about your dad and how much love he had for OJ before Mm -hmm. everything went down. The only reason I'm a Southern Cal fan. Well, and you don't know him. I don't know Mickey personally, but. I think I can speak for the rest of Husker Nation here and say people were polling for Mickey to be on this coaching staff, even to be the next head coach at Nebraska, because we saw what he offered as a coach. And like that's, that's the love that we had for Mickey Joseph, yeah. or have for Mickey Joseph, him as a coach. And, you know, that, that right there, if, if he had to pluck out what I'm trying to say out of my brain, Lance just did it. It's, it's, it's delicate, right? And it, it, and you feel like sometimes you're going to be judged for supporting people that you love, but you don't. We don't really know the whole story, and and that's what I want to and, know. And being unapologetic for people that you you do love is okay, right? It's I don't think that that's something that 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 you have to explain from. From Scott Frost to Mickey Joseph to Bo Pelini to Deshaun Watson. You know, as Deshaun Watson takes the field against his former team, the Houston Texans, there are people that love Deshaun Watson. That doesn't mean Deshaun Watson is without indiscretions. Mm -hmm. But real agape is unconditional. And I think you can, not to go super biblical on you, but you can... You can love the sinner and hate the sin. Those two things can coalesce. Like, mm-hmm. that's okay. And in this particular situation, trust me when I tell you, there's a lot we don't know. And the fine, the delicate line will be kind of what Michigan Lance alluded to. How much will the Josephs want us to know, how much we should know, and how much we should just have the privacy to let them do what they do because we do know that he's a public figure. But the level of human decency that we have to have in terms of the next job up or not having a job now or whatever, like domestic violence is it, on, on what it's it it's It's bigger than that, right? Just a certain level of decorum 
that I just don't want to see us go into. And I know I, you can't police everybody, and, and people are going to do people, but, I, you know, um, we got to do be- We got to be better. And everybody, everybody has a backstory. Everybody out there, especially those that are public figures, at one point in time, you can probably dig up a screw up. Oh yeah. And you you named a lot of guys. I'll mention one more. I'll mention Hugh Freeze, who just got hired at Auburn. That oh, had you got on me a little bit, not because I had an opinion, but I think you felt like you wanted to explain. I love the way you worded it. I lay it out. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Hugh Freeze took a lot of heat when he got the Auburn job by Auburn fans. And it was people that just continued to attack him for the past, Mm -hmm. not what he was doing in the present. And look, one mistake, this is is something that I... I, I like to use and hold on to, and, and you know, I'll, I'll push for others to do it, but do as you please. Again, you know, all of this comes from, from the biggest heart is one mistake doesn't define a man. And just because something happened, you know, in the past doesn't mean that you can't change. I'm all about giving somebody a second chance. And in Hugh Freeze's case, he gets to Auburn and is already Im- immediately taking on a large amount of heat for something that happened years ago, and no one's taken into account what he just did at Liberty and how he changed and moved forward for the better. You mentioned right at the end of your last statement, be better. That's what we have to do as human beings. Everybody needs to be better. And for us to be better, attacking on social media, hiding behind a screen, hiding behind a keyboard is never the answer. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting how the things that we want in other people, like that we either care about or coaches or, you know, it's 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 funny, um, you know, to land the plane and you talk about coaching hires and, and Matt Rule and the staff that he's putting together. The same qualities that we want coaches and people and of teams and people that are associated with things that we like to exude, I'm not always so sure how willing we are as individuals to model the same behavior. Isn't that weird? It's like, you know, we, we use these funny anecdotes and, and these examples to bring other people down to validate what we want in other people. And I'm just like, it seems like bizarro world. Like you'll compromise yourself to say this about this person because these are the qualities you want. It's like, how about you show those? I, I like you know what I mean. Like right. I, I don't. It's 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 like bizarro world sometimes. And again, we want to. Pe- people are flawed. We want to approach the situation with caution, care, and respect, and we hope you do too. Nick Boz next on Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Hulkbrenner's going to launch a three, and it'll go. The assist to Shireman. They dared him, and he buried him. Shireman. Elevator play. Ooh. That feels like a huge bucket. Has been outstanding all tournament long. Seven points, seven assists already for Creasa. Baluma driving and finishing. Top of the hour on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio. Alongside Damon Benning, I'm Andrew Rogers. We are powered by Currency and Creighton Basketball, at least commentating, is powered by Nick Ba. He's on the line with us. Nick, thanks for joining us. 
<laughs> I, I love it. I, I, that's a good intro. It's good. Hey, we're, we're all here to hype you up. I mean, I'm a huge Nick Bot guy. I know DB is oh, too, yeah, and sure. I, I know a lot of people out there are. But, man, what a start it's been for this Blue Jay group, a team that came into the season with so much hype trailing them. And, man, they seem to live up to expectations so far. Yes, absolutely. Especially the, the Maui tournament. Felt like that was kind of the date that was circled for the start of the season. All the, the games before that were kind of the ramp up. And boy, did they answer the bell. You know, to go out there and to deal with a couple of teams that are really athletic, really try to speed you up, really try to turn you over. And, and let's be honest, it didn't necessarily go great right away. And mm-hmm. they were able to, to navigate those waters. And I love their, their composure, their body language. I've said it. And I heard, I heard a scout, I think it was a New York Knicks scout, say it in the preseason. He said, Creighton may not have the best player in the country, but they have the best starting five in the country. Mm. And if you, if, it's, hard, it's hard to argue that right now. I mean, you just go one through five, and it's hard to go pound for pound and tail of the tape against another five and feel like the other starting five is better. The other starting five might have better individual dudes but a collective five, those guys are, are pretty solid, and I've been really impressed so far. Yeah, i got to take advantage of your, your, your global talents. I want to go to Arizona because the last 14 minutes of that game, efficiency-wise, offensively, they were a juggernaut. And listen, I know Coach Lusk is gone and people wondered about Creighton defensively, but gosh, I feel like I should make that about Arizona and not – Creighton, you know this Arizona team well. You and I talked about them last year in terms of how they could recruit and their versatility and Matern and those guys. This Arizona bunch and what his, he's been able to do since taking over f- for, for Sean Miller, is this Arizona bunch for real for you? Well, what's crazy, Damon, is if you think about it, the, the team you saw beat Creighton, that was basically the same team as last year, plus Ben Matherin, Dalen Terry, and Christian Coloco. <laughs> you know, you're like, I, I didn't, it kind of validated myself because I picked them to win the national championship yep. last year and I thought they were the best team. Same. And I saw, I, I watched him and I'm like, yeah, see, this, this team was loaded. <laughs> he said, see? Tommy Lloyd does, has done an incredible job uh, with that group. And, and I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not worried about Creighton's defense. To me, that was more about, you know, Kirk Kreese is a pretty, a pretty good point guard. Listen, the way Creighton defends, you got to have a guy, and, and Ramey knocked down some shots, and Tabellis could as well. They make you take little 10 to 15-foot twos. Yep. That's kind of what they're, they're, they're inviting you into that foul line area where you're, where you're not totally comfortable. But Kirk Risa and Tabellis and those guys could make those shots, and that's kind of what, what Creighton's willing to, to live with. And that's the thing about, you know, pe- pe- when people think of good defense, they think of, they think of like Arkansas or Texas Tech, pressure, uh, denying passes, turning you over. Sure, that's one way to play good defense. Creighton's kind of like just methodically boa constrictors you for 40 minutes in making you uncomfortable with the shots you are taking. You, they, they kind of lull you into a false sense of like, okay, listen, we're swinging it around the perimeter. We're getting into our actions. It's not necessarily tough to get into our side ball screen, our stagger action. But at the end of the day, they're going to force you into Kalkbrenner, and they're going to force you into a, a tough two, 
and more often than not, people are have a hard time scoring. And they're not comfortable taking those shots. So I, I'm I'm not worried about about Creighton's defense right now. And I'm with you. I, I thought Arizona was lights out in that game. And golly, it's hard. It's it's hard to uh, it's like I said. It's hard to imagine that that was the same team with with three pros on it. Yeah. last year. Hey, you know, not only are you with DB Nick in that case, but I was with you in picking Arizona to win the national championship <laughs> yeah. last year. And, uh, boy, was that was that a salty feeling. Watch them uh, get knocked out in the Sweet 16. But even in the second round, too, that was a, that was a true sweat. Yeah. Both Texas teams, right? And now they face yep. another Texas team tomorrow, the second-best team in the nation. Do you agree, though, with the ESPN matchup predictor that gives Texas an 80.5% chance to win this game. Are they that good? And uh, will Creighton just have to shoot the ball lights out against this defense in order to win? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know how to quantify or sink my teeth into 80% chance of winning or all those things. I, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I, I think Texas, you know, gun to my head, I'd probably say Texas should be favored. So if you want to quantify that to 80%, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, says, I think on paper, they're another team that – that on paper, man, they check every box, especially with the addition of Tyrese Hunter. Gives them another guy that can create. Uh, you know Chris Beard has, is going to have that crew ready to, to defend. Um, they're one of those teams that for 40 minutes against Gonzaga, that looked like the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. But you, when you expand and look at the rest of who they've played, they really haven't played anybody else. So what's hard is I sit there and I go, who do I think is the best team in the country? And there's a part of me that wants to say Texas, but, man, they've only been tested one time. And they answered the bell. I mean, they straight up kicked Gonzaga's you-know-what. And so uh, with the, the thing that I like for Creighton, though, te- against Texas is the way Texas defends, they've seen that twice. They're, it's not like – and I think it took – against in particular Texas Tech, I thought it took Creighton about really almost the whole first half well, I think in that game, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't they, they turned it over like 12 times in the first half and didn't turn it over in the second mm-hmm. half. Like it was almost like a fighter sizing them up for three rounds, and all of a sudden he's like, "Okay, I got this guy's range down. I know what he's doing, and now I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go to work." That's kind of what it was like for Creighton against Texas Tech. And also keep in mind, in their closed scrimmage, they scrimmaged Iowa State. They defend the same way. So Creighton has seen that no middle really track you along the baseline tough pressure defense multiple times that I think is going to suit them well uh, against Texas. I think Creighton's got a great chance to win that game, but I certainly can understand how uh, how on paper you would certainly lean towards favoring the Longhorns. Uh, let me stay with it real quick, even though I, you know I like to spread your basketball talents mm-hmm. around the country, but let me stay with Texas real quick, because, just because you know, watching Matan and obviously Bishop, that's a storyline, year two removed and all of that, but I like the way that Texas – their length and athleticism in the front court. You know, they can switch the way that they can play ball screens. If you're Coach Mack and you're looking at ways to get Kalkbrenner to be Kalkbrenner, he's going to have some tough matchups with the body types they're throwing at him. What do you think Creighton does offensively to get him those pick and to the rims and pick and pops where he's shown that he can stretch you a little bit too? How do you think Creighton wants to utilize him offensively? Yeah, well, I think I think it's it's huge because I remember asking Greg McDermott in the off season. It might have been in like July. I was like, "Hey, I was like, Mac, out of curiosity, I'm like, 70, 78, 78, one minute left. Where's the ball going?" <laughs> 
And he was like, probably going inside to Big Ryan. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, because you've got a lot of options on that team. Mm-hmm. And I thought that rung true. And when, when it got to be crunch time, where did the ball go against Arkansas? Like four or five straight possessions. It went inside the Kalkbrenner. So I think when that's kind of like when a huge part of what they want to establish, whether it's the pick and roll or just posting him up. I mean, the guy scores with a really, really high efficiency. So to answer your question, Damon, I think the biggest thing they're going to have to do is side ball screens are going to be hard because I hope this plays well on, on TV. They, they, they're they a no-middle team, meaning their, their shoulders are basically going to be parallel to the sideline and they don't let the ball handler come to the middle of the floor. They're going to force everything to the baseline and then they flood to the ball handler and trap and they, and they rotate hard and they're trying to get steals. So it's hard to get the come-to-the-middle-of-the-floor lobs. So what you have to do is you have to set middle-of-the-floor ball screens so the, there's there's not a way you can necessarily force it or keep it on a side. So I think I think where those ball screen sets are going to be vitally important. You're going to see a lot of middle of the floor lane line ball screens, uh, and then I think also for post up opportunities, the timing of the entry pass has got to be right now. You know, it's not one of those things you can't as you can't salt shake the ball and, and look around a bunch like. When Kalkbrenner gets a seal, the ball has got to be on time, on target, because the ball pressure is going to be hot, and Texas is going to be working and active or to front and move around. And if you saw what they did against Drew Timmy, they came with a lot of late doubles, where if yeah. the ball would go into Timmy, Timmy would maybe peck dribble one or two times, and boom, he would come Marcus Carr or Tyrese Hunter or someone else. And so Kalkbrenner has to understand that a late double could be coming as well. And so he's going to have to make a quick move and be able to feel that. Um, again, the, the good thing is that Creighton's had a long layoff here and a lot of time to get prepared for a lot of these things. And Coach McDermott's good at, at getting those guys ready for that. But I'm with you, DB. Gotta, you have to find a way to get Kalkbrenner of the ball because also throwing the ball in the post is a good pressure release. Like if, if they're pressuring the ball and they're denying wing entry passes, that lane gets wide open for a post-up. It's a good way to kind of release some of that and throw it into the big fella. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Carolina guy, mm-hmm. so I, I think Caleb Love and Carr has some love in him. He's streaky, but he shot the ball better. Would you class? Are you convinced or still too early that he's going to be that guy from behind the arc? I, I don't know. You're right. He's, you know, at Minnesota, he was a volume scorer. You know, like. If you just looked at the final box score, you're like, oh, Carr had 24, like 22 shots. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, He's got some love so, to him. I don't, yeah, he, there, there's no doubt. That's how Caleb Love was. If you go look at, like, just go look at how many shots he took in the NCAA tournament. It's a lot of 19, 20, 21, 20. I mean, he took a lot of shots down the, down the stretch. But that's, I mean, listen, they, they went all the way to the national title game. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm convinced. I mean, I'm a big believer over the course of time you are what your percentages kind of say you are. Um, that's not to say you can't have a day, um, and that's not to say that you, you just let a guy, you know, line one up. But I also think Coach McDermott's pretty big on playing percentages and and historically who you've been. And if they feel like they're, you know, maybe want to live with, uh, with with Carr some tough threes or whatnot, they might be able to do that. But I'm with you. Carr's one of those guys I like. Carr a lot. Good looking dude in person. He's long. He's smooth. I mean, he certainly can score. But efficiency has never been something that I've necessarily kind of 
attributed to uh, when, when he plays the game scoring the ball. Hey, we're chatting with Nick Ba, Fox Sports college basketball analyst and Creighton basketball alumnus right now on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio. You can follow Nick Ba at Nick Ba, B-A-H-E. And Nick, being an alumnus, it must be pretty fun commentating and watching this team produce like everyone expected. Someone else that shares that enjoyment, though, and I love witnessing it on TV, is Coach McDermott. And based <laughs> on conversations you've had with him or what you can pick up on via body language, how much fun do you think he's having right now coaching this team this year? A ton. I, I think he loves this group. I, I really do. I think, I, think it's, it, I think he had a fun time last year with them when they were young and they didn't know any better and they kind of just did whatever they, were, whatever they were told to do. And I bet that's fun. And Damon would know this as a coach. Maybe one of the most rewarding things is watching people take coaching and yeah. then you don't necessarily have to go remind them of this, that, or whatever. So I think he likes that he's seen this group uh, grow and mature into a group that he doesn't necessarily have to coach every single play, where last year he probably he did. Uh, I think he trusts this group. He, they're a really good practice group. Um, I, I know that one of the things that's been a little bit interesting to me is that the uh, – the bench production has not been what I'd expected it to I be. I completely agree. Completely agree. Farabello uh, has not shot it well. Sharif Mitchell still uh, doesn't doesn't fully look like he's he's settled in and back to in that rhythm and game flow, which I think sometimes we think is easier to capture than it than it really is. Uh, you know, Frederick King has done well, but he's still young. Uh, and then Mason Miller, he's really the one guy that's been rock solid off the bench. But I think to get back to your question, Andrew, I think one of the things that's been that the coach Mark Dermott has enjoyed, but also has maybe drove him a little bit crazy, is just how competitive practices have been. I think sometimes he gets frustrated, like, man, my, why aren't my starters? You know, they they should be scoring more. They should be getting stops more. And it's like, well, when you got Mitchell, Farabello, Stoltzberg, Mason Miller, and Frederick King in your second five, like those, are, you're going to have your hands full in in multiple games. I remember, I think it was John Higgins told me that they did that he refed a closed scrimmage for for Creighton and. The starters versus versus second five. They played twenty minutes, and the score at, at halftime was fifty four to fifty, which is like whoa. You know, that's, that's that's a big time starting five there. But no, go, Coach McDermott. Uh, Coach McDermott's really enjoying this group. I think he trusts this group. I think Baylor Shireman has come in, and and I added a layer and a dimension that that he really likes and trusts as well. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, you know, we always talk about how players can improve. Well, coaches can improve too. Yeah, and I think. Greg McDermott is the best he's ever been as a coach right now. He is at the top of his game, and I think it's, he's showing you why with what he did with that group last year and how they've started this year. Hey, let me ask you, since the Big Ten shares you uh, under that Fox umbrella, which I love because you get to double dip, I, they were on the lips of many, and I don't think people saw Hood, Shafinu, and, and, and some of this evolution in the backcourt. How scary – is this Indiana bunch, as I watched them annihilate Carolina last night, uh, that front court, saucy. They got oh, length. Yeah. Uh, like, what are we talking about with this Indiana team in the Big Ten? If it, What we're talking about is if they get any, Jalen Hood, Shafino, whoever, if they get any consistent guard play and, and perimeter shot making, it's a Final Four team. Mm. I mean, th- that front line, yeah. Ray Thompson is like a – Race Thompson's like an old-school 1980s power forward. Just kind of kick your you-know-what, rebound. He plays really well off of Trace Jackson Davis. And I don't know if 
Damon or Andrew, have you ever seen Jackson Davis in person? Have you ever seen him live? No, I, I just I just watch big body type, strong. Oh man, he is so he is he blows you away in person. Mm. He's he's long, he's light on his feet, he's I mean he is the real deal in person. And when, when you're talking about a guy that can score, can distribute, when he gets on that right block, so he's looking over his right shoulder with his left hand, and he can pass and he can score, it's, it is about as dangerous as it can get. Uh, he, he can block shots, so can Race Thompson. He's really good defensively. So, I mean, the thing that there – sometimes we, we, get all, we get caught up in the three-point shot, and listen, it matters, but sometimes basketball is a game of, like, easy baskets, like – who gets more easy shots at the rim, and who makes it harder for the other team at the rim? Well, every game Indiana plays, they're, they're in a good position to win that battle. They're probably going to get a lot of easy shots at the rim, and you're going to have a really hard time scoring at the rim with, with that front line. So I'm a huge fan of Trace Jackson Davis, and I think that team showed you last night when they put it all together. Good Lord. Nick, they only have two guys that play more than 18 minutes that shoot under 50% from the floor right now. now I know it's early. But that, that, just, that just speaks to your getting quality shots, even though they don't, outside a cop, they don't light you up from behind the arc. But, man, that's an efficient bunch. Well, I mean, because when the ball, you're going to play Trace Jackson one-on-one in the post, you know, like that's not, that's not a good decision. <laughs> yeah. but, Leaky so Black found that out last night. <laughs> that's right. You know, like, so that's, that's the thing of why you get these baskets. It's like start with a dude – you have to respect, and you have to honor, you have to game plan for, and you probably have to send two at. Anytime the ball goes into Trey Jackson Davis, if you don't send two, he's going to score. And if you send two, he's going to find someone diving to the rim, across the floor, and a skip pass. Like, you can make it easy baskets, they take away easy baskets, and they have a dude that you have to send probably two defenders at, and when that's the case, you're probably going to find open shots. I saw uh, both Andrew and I saw Coach Hoiberg at uh, the presser uh, for Matt Rule in attendance, and such a class act. And they they they're they're coming off annihilating FSU, and I'm not sure what happened to Coach Hamilton's bunch in Tallahassee. And they hammered Boston College, who Maine had beat earlier, so I wasn't as surprised. But they, what's the believable meter with Coach Hoiberg, and how? You're not going to get that from Kisei Tomonaga every night. But how, but how they've been able to function thus far, especially with Derek Walker coming back. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key thing is with Derek Walker coming back, I think this this team really, really goes to another level offensively. Just because, you know, this the Sam Hoiberg, Sam Hoiberg, Sam Griesel is a, you know, he's a converted point guard. He's a good point guard, but he's a converted one. And then the other, the only other ball handler on that team. Notice I didn't say necessarily point guard, but a ball handler mm-hmm. is Bandamel. So they don't really, they lack a lot of creators. But Derek Walker being back into the fold, he gives them another another guy that can create offense. Whether it's him scoring in the post, him passing, and they need that bad. Like sometimes without when when they were playing without Walker, you just were kind of looking at it. And, and to me, I was going, if, unless you post up Greasel. How are they going to gain an advantage for those dominoes to start falling on a, you know, draw two, kick, extra pass, whatever? Like, I'm just, they struggle to do that. But Derek Walker gives them another dimension. So I think with Derek Walker, it's, it's you know, all of a sudden, offensively, things look a little bit 
different. And you know, it's just this year's team, you know, last year's team, to put it politely, didn't even come close to the level of competitiveness, toughness, physicality that is needed to even think about winning at a high level. They, they were really, really woefully short in those areas. This year's team's different. Mm. Like, and Coach Hoiberg even told me that before the Pine Bluff game. He was like, listen, I, we're going to have to be a I, – I had it in mind, but we're going to have to be a scrappy, you know, tough-minded group. And that's how they are. You know, Jawan Gary, Blaze Kata, uh Sam Griesel, Bandamel, those guys are like tough dudes. And so defensively, I think they're going to play hard, Damon. Like, they're going to play hard. They're going to they're gonna do the right thing. I don't think they're necessarily going to have selfish guys or anything like that. Um yeah, you know, it's just it'll be interesting to see how much Wilcher and Tominaga can continue to knock down shots uh, because ultimately, you know, it's it's amazing how things look different when you're knocking down those threes. Yeah. But you know, I don't know, Damon. The, the believability it's it's still this team still has a long ways to go. Uh, but they they play hard. They they compete on the defensive end of the floor, and Derek Walker makes a huge difference for them offensively. Nick, you were on the call uh, for KU Texas Southern the other day, and uh, meet me at the rim. And we probably heard something like that, but uh, yes. you know, Texas Southern, of course, n- not a team to to really boast about. But you did get to watch the defending national champions speak to KU this year. Are they a good enough team to pull off a repeat, or uh, are you seeing some holes that still need to be filled with that Jayhawk bunch? I'm still seeing some holes as much as hopefully Bill Self's not listening to Coffee and Cream right now, but uh, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still seeing some holes that uh, they are, they're having to play. A part of what Bill Self does is they need to have a big dude in the middle that they can throw the ball into an established inside, whether it was as a uh, or David McCormick last year. And they don't have that guy right now, guys. They're having to play KJ Adams at the five, who's six foot seven and not a shooter, so they're playing small ball, but they're not reaping the benefits of stretching you out and being able to shoot the three. So, to me, the, they, they need to have one of their freshmen emerge in that post-presence area, which is, I mean, shoot, we're a month into the season, and that thing still is a little bit of a, of a work in progress. And then Jalen Wilson has been awesome, though. I mean, there's not too many dudes yeah, he's that are playing deal. better than that guy. Oh, my God, he is, he is really taking that next step. Uh, but they're a little bit like, you know, after – they're a little bit like Nebraska in the, in the sense of, like, you know, Grady Dick needs people to create a shot for him right now. Like, Jalen Wilson can create his own offense. Dewan Harris is more of a creator for other guys, but he's not going to go get his. So sometimes offensively they lack, like, a, a third guy that can go create offense for himself. Um, so so that, that's a, another hole. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they got some deficiencies. Bill Self has a way of... of of finding guys, uh, you know, getting them to improve as, as the season progresses, and they need one of those young bigs to step up. But that's the big hole inside, guys. They're not, they can't go the whole season playing small ball, five, K.J. Adams, and, and think they're going to have a lot of success. You're the man, Nick. Bob, thanks so much. Gabinette, up next. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. We are back on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Alongside Damon Benning, I'm Andrew Rogers, and on the phone right now, we have head coach of the Omaha men's ice hockey team, the Omaha Mavericks, Coach Gabinette. Coach, great to hear from you. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, great. Thanks, guys. Hey, good morning, Coach. Hey, Coach, this team 
just got done taking down the defending national champion. They snagged a dominant win over Mankato to open the year. One and one in every NCHC series thus far. How happy are you to see results like this so early on in the season? Yeah, the guys have been doing a great job. It's it's just tremendous to watch their development so far in the season. And we got 12 new guys, so you're always a little bit... Uh, you know, there's going to be some growth seasons to the to that development there, but they're they're really coming along. Coach, how do you gauge, you know, kind of where you want to be? You know, December, late December, early January, you want to be skating, playing your best hockey. How are you kind of ramping up to get to where you think you need to be in an uber tough conference? I think that's the that's the key phrase. Just you know, we got a tough conference, so you got to go kind of week to week, day by day, and not get too far ahead or, or too far in the past, and especially with the new group, just give them small objectives. We kind of break down the season into little segments. We've got two weeks left to go before the Christmas breaks, and, and that's where our focus will stay here uh, down the stretch till the break. Coach, you mentioned the new group. Plenty of returners on this roster as well, though, too. One being Jack Randall, who has been absolutely electric this season, both offensively and defensively. In fact, you know, the team's top six stat leaders are returners. I mean, what does that say about this program when it comes to development? Yeah, and Jack was a guy who played his first year at Mich Michigan. We were fortunate to get him, and, and uh, you've been around the program a little bit, Andrew. You know just how hard that guy works and, and how every day he shows up and brings his best and not only on the ice but as a leader and you know he's a great guy for these new guys to these guys to role model and and he's getting it done on the ice it's I'm so proud of him and you know he's kind of been a silent leader too in the past like when he first arrived it wasn't like he was this big vocal like this big you know loud vocal voice but now like it just seems like he, he really took a step up a big leap from last to this year Absolutely. And again, he's still, he's still a silent leader, but I think that's the best by leader to, to lead by example. And, but he is getting more vocal and more comfortable in that role. And, and uh, when you, you know, perform like he's doing on the ice, it's guys pay attention and guys listen. And, and uh, he's definitely got the respect of the room. Uh, to make a run, you've obviously got to be sound defensively and be good between the pipes. Progressively getting better playing defense in front of Jake. How would you kind of assess where you guys are defensively as you do like to play some transition hockey? Yeah, and, and just like you mentioned, the goalies. We had two kind of a little bit unknown goalies, Jake transferring from the Atlantic League and Simon coming in as a freshman. And, and man, have they ever gotten better as the season's gone along. And Rob Couturier, our goalie coach, done a great job with those guys, bringing them along. And you can just tell from the first weekend to now uh, they've taken some huge steps in the right direction. And, and then you got to play well in front of them, like you mentioned, too. we got some younger D-men back there with uh, Jacob Kamei, Joachim LeMay, and Victor Mancini. Those guys are all underclassmen. And they're really, again, developing and developing and, and taking strides uh, and getting better and better. And, you know, Victor, of course, getting drafted last year. What has been the biggest improvement you've seen in his game uh, from freshman to sophomore year? Yeah, we knew what we got in him. He was kind of a late bloomer a little bit, and we recruited him from a young age, and and we knew he was just going to continue to evolve and grow. And and man, he's you know he probably eats our biggest minutes back there. He's his nickname's Moose for a reason. <laughs> he can he can handle a lot of minutes and and play a real physical game. And and now he's just you can tell his game's calming down. He's making simple, efficient plays. He can really skate. And for him getting drafted, I think was a real boost and testament to what he's done so far and 
and he's, I know he's not, he's not satisfied. He's going to keep on working. Coach, everybody talks about your relationship building and how good you are with players when you get a chance to sit down and talk with young men. You're recruiting, obviously, international. As you look at the roster, you've got the flair. Uh, you can stay in states as well. When you look at recruiting for this program relative to the conference, do you feel comfortable with where your footprint is? Yeah, we got a big footprint. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're uh, you know, it's not being in a hockey hotbed of Nebraska, but we did just, just land a verbal commit from a local uh, Lincoln Helm, which is pretty exciting for us to, to get an Omaha kid coming to the program down the road. But but like you mentioned, we do we do go everywhere from Minnesota to Canada to Europe, and and that's kind of just the nature of the business uh, where we are and geographically and where you got to find the elite players to compete in in THC. Coach, this weekend, Western Michigan, another ranked opponent. It yeah. just seems like it just keeps piling on at this point. Uh, but what have you seen in Western Michigan this year, and how have you guys been preparing for this series? Well, they're the number one offensive team in the country. So so obviously we've got to be smart at the puck and limit their offense here and keep them to the outside and make sure our details and are dialed in and, and we're not giving them opportunities. A little bit similar to Denver, right? You just can't give those teams opportunities. A lot of times it comes down to what you give those guys and making sure they're making, they have to come 200 feet and uh, make it tough for them to score. Coach, been better on the road than you have at home, and some of that is, like, obviously opponent schedule, but it is, sure. a, it is a battle. It can be a battle-tested team. You play a lot of one-puck, <laughs> one-score uh, hockey games. What kind, yeah. How do you like your team's emotion, kind of their temperament? This is a kind of a gritty bunch. Yeah, I think the, the big heart and, and gritty is a great word for it. I think we've been in a lot of one-goal games especially to start the season. I think we had nine in a row that were, that were decided by one goal. So, and, and when you're in those type of games, you got to have grit, you got to have heart, you got to will the, will the victory at times and find ways to find ways to win. And, and this is a group that uh, is committed to doing that for each other and for the program. Coach last year, the motto was today matters. Is that stuck and carried over to this season or has that changed to something new? No, I think it's stuck. It's, it's just really important when, uh, especially when you play in a conference like this, that you make sure that you have a focus on today. You know, you don't want to get too anxious about what's to come and you don't want to get uh, too down on what's happened in the past or, or too high on what's happened in the past and, and focused on today. And when you've got high-level athletes, you know, NHL draft peaks, you know, it's really important that uh, we focus on what they do. Coach, good luck this weekend. We wish you all the best and we hope to talk to you down the road soon. Love talking to you, Coach. All right, boys, thanks. There's a Appreciate it. That's head coach Mike Gabinet of Omaha Hockey, a fantastic individual. And somebody, if you saw just kind of like walking in the tunnel, he's Mr. Serious. But like low-key, Gabinet has a huge heart. Everybody talks <laughs> about how good he is with young people, right? So I just say, and it's not really, I think that's He smiles on. a lot. People See, don't that, think he smiles a lot, but he does. That's spot on because he, he's kind of intimidating. He I, is, I think, and it, it it also doesn't help that he's he over, <laughs> like he overpowers you just by it's a big guy. his uh, his he's natural big guy. height. But yeah, I mean, you know, we we hit a lot of good points there, and we said this back on Morning Dump just a couple of weeks ago that this is a team that was supposed to be in rebuilding mode. I know, <laughs> and 
all of a sudden, these young guys, kind of like the Creighton women's basketball team, are going to do damage this year, and then it's just going to get worse and worse for opponents in the NCHC. Uh, well, although the difference is in those teams is Creighton brought back kind of an experienced bunch. These guys, especially if that back wall, that back line thickens up a little bit and they continue to play good defense to help Jake and those guys behind the pipes, I think they've got a chance because offensively, I think they have a little bit better skill than we maybe thought coming in. I did not expect the scoring to look like that right? so far this season. So let's see if, if, if the defense can complement it. And you have to you have to be able to fit, defend the neutral zone. This can't I mean you gotta be able to touch and, and not allow guys to skate kind of free will. So I'll I'll be curious to see can you play good it's the age old adage, right? Can you play good open ice and still be good defensively? It's the it's the equivalent to playing spread can you play good tough defense they're pretty good offensively in the neutral zone we'll see what happens defensively I think that's the key for this team but I like the word he used and I hope it's not just because I used the word I'm a great guy mm -hmm. I like the fact he likes the word <laughs> yeah because I think that's bonding, what, bonding moment yeah, there for because you. I think that's what matters we shoot our kids at Westside we take we take grit tests that measure grit and we it's Jedi mind tricks. We don't even let them know really what these tests are. But we get a good feel for what our team's personality is, and a lot of it is based on grit. I like the fact he likes it. <laughs> and the NCHC is it's such brutal. a tough conference to play in. And, you know, look, this Mavericks team was ranked all last season. And this year, all they're doing is receiving votes at this point. Yeah, that's okay. But I would even venture to say that the start in the NCHC – could be one of the best that we've seen in a while. Are with you this calling group. your shot? I, I may be taking a long shot, a long three, maybe a gym or three. Andrew but this team Rogers, is always, always three. very talented. But next, let's talk Nebraska volleyball with our main man, Jacob Padilla, here on Coffee and Cream. You know the definition of a baller. <laughs> That's me. Last segment of the hour, but you can always catch us on Morning Dump to follow wherever you get your podcasts. You can also catch Benning Bites there as well, and you can catch the Sports Six Pack a little bit later on. That's by going to Herd at Sports. But if you missed anything on the show today, feel free to go back to Hale Varsity Radio's podcast page, and you can catch the full show there. Let's welcome in Jacob Padilla, staff writer for Hale Varsity, one of our guys. And if you want access to Hale Varsity, make sure to get a subscription by using the promo code AR for a monthly subscription or DB for that yearly subscription, and you can see Jacob's work all the time. Jacob, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey. Hi, JP. Let's talk Nebraska volleyball because, you know, we're getting closer now. We're getting almost, almost to the day that Nebraska, being the two seed, takes on Delaware State, and they may have to overcome some adversity of their own during this NCAA tournament. The team's experiencing significant setbacks with the loss of Kenzie Knuckles. But how have you seen this squad readjust? Yeah, I mean, it feels like uh, readjusting is all they've done this season. Um, they've hardly been able to play with the same lineup with everybody in the same roles for more than a couple weeks in a row before something has happened with injury or a decision to try to change something up or um so they've been having to do this all season long and 
this is just the, the latest edition of it. It's, uh, it's really unfortunate. Kenzie Knuckles was a, a huge part of what they were doing, and obviously you never want to see a career end on injury. But um, they, And they had to kind of adjust on the fly there where they, it happened last Wednesday. They only got a couple of days to get ready and then had to play two top ten teams. So um, I, I think we, we didn't see them play their best. They're, I think there's still some uh, emotions were raw coming off of the injury. I think Cook even mentioned uh, he thought maybe that, that had a part in Maddie Kubik's play, just um, how, how close she is with Knuckles and seeing her best friend go down. So um, now they've had a few days to kind of um, reset to – uh, settle in with the, the changes that they've had to make with the, the new passers um, in the back row with Allie Batenhorst playing all six rotations. Um, so that's kind of, they're hoping that this week has been enough to kind of iron out some of the, the things that we saw uh, against Wisconsin and Minnesota that, um, that led to some struggles and ho- hopefully they can kind of lock in here and, uh, rediscover the level of play they, they had or at least close to it go, going into that last week. Safe to say that Hames and Badenhorst, like their roles are kind of, uh, I don't want to say disjointed, but like they change tremendously kind of behind the scenes, right, in terms of rotations and how they have to play? Yeah, so Cook uh, kind of swipped, or switched uh, Badenhorst and Cubic in their spots in the, the rotation just to um, kind of have Cubic in the back row for um, more rotation since um, she, she's more comfortable playing defense in the back row. She's been doing it um, her, her whole career. Um, so the, the, trying to trying to make it a little easier on Batenhorst playing six rotations for the, the first real time. She, she's done it for stretches early on when Cook was kind of experimenting with the, the different pins last season but she, she's been basically three rotations all season long so it's not easy to to, to do that to play all six rotations mm-hmm. and still be able to be effective in all phases of the game um, and I think we saw Bait Horse kind of working through that she struggled a, a bit after playing well or she had like five solid matches in a row leading up to that last weekend um, so um, ho- hopefully she was able to kind of learn from that um be able to, to watch the tape and figure out and then like I said Cubic struggled a little bit as well Ho- hopefully she's able to kind of bounce back because they need her playing like the, the all-conference player that, that she is in order for them to make a run here. In my first question I was back and forth on does Nebraska play tonight or tomorrow But because I'm <laughs> figuring out Creighton and Nebraska trying to follow both teams. They obviously play tonight I, I looked that up just so everybody could be sure on that and I know uh, probably people out there are like they play tonight, they play tonight Yeah, they, they play tonight 7 o'clock but Jacob this is a question that I, you know, I, I sat back on my couch last night and I, I just kind of reflected on Nebraska volleyball this season and the turnout that was shown from all of the volleyball supporters in Lincoln with Nebraska hosting the first and second rounds out of the gate how difficult is it going to be for some of these teams to come into Lincoln and compete here with a crowd like this yeah I mean that's always the advantage of Nebraska being what what the program is you you almost every single year you get to start 
start your tournament run at home in front of the largest crowds in college volleyball. They lead the country in attendance year in and year out now. And um, it's easier to kind of get, get your tournament run when you can sleep in your own bed. You can go through your typical routine. You don't have to worry about travel. And um, it's, it's a big advantage for Nebraska. And, uh, be interesting, too, uh, former Husker Inesh Kazebo is coming back with Kansas on the other side of the, the bracket there. They'll play Miami. So um, she's get a chance to kind of come back where it all started at the end of her career. Um, she's had a really good season for the Jayhawks. Um, and um, so I'm sure she'll, she'll be excited. I'm sure um, probably the Huskers will uh, catch up with her a little bit uh, b- before um, the matches and everything. So she might find it a little bit easier to, to, to play in Devaney as a visiting player, but everybody else, this will probably be a, a little different experience than anything particularly Delaware State. I, I'd, I'd be curious to, to learn what the biggest crowd that the Hornets have played in this season or, I mean, just period in general. They've got a lot of upperclassmen. Uh, so that'll certainly be something they're going to have to work through early on and, and an advantage for Nebraska. Talking with Jacob Padilla, one of Hill Varsity's finest and a guy that I like to collab with from time to time. More often we, than not. As we dabble in some high school as well. JP, just listening to you, though, how about juxtaposed to somebody you know real well in Kirsten Bernthal Booth and what she decided to do with her volleyball team in terms of not sleeping in your own bed and coming off the success and building some confidence off of Marquette and their seedings? Like, isn't it interesting? Because I know you like coaching strategy and philosophy, how you pit those philosophies against one another. To Are you curious to see how each plays out, or is it relative to the opponent's and not necessarily what you're doing off the court in terms of preparation. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, both these coaches have a great feel for, for their teams and understand yeah. how to get the, the best out of them. I mean, you don't have the seasons that these two have uh, without that being the case. So um, I, I just kind of defer to, to the coaches that they know what's best for their programs, and it, it is really cool to to see both of them able to host again this year. Um, I mean, I, I came up, I started uh, covering volleyball while, while I was in school at Creighton, uh, covered three years of uh, that program when Kirsten was just starting to kind of get it up and running there. Um, so it, it's been really cool to kind of follow it from afar, um, her rise and getting the, the program to where it is now, to where they are parental perennial top 20 team uh, have a chance to, to host more often than not in the first round. Um, and so now she's becoming a veteran at this. Uh, she feels, uh, I mean, they've got a lot of tournament runs uh, under their belt over the last handful of years now, uh, and, and they know absolutely how to handle it. Plain and simple, Jacob, is this a team you see avenging their runner-up finish from last year? It certainly got a lot more difficult with, with Knuckles going down. They've got a lot of things to, to iron up. Um, Cook Cook was really excited about where the team was heading into that last weekend um, but before the Knuckles injury. And he, um, he said that when she went down, like, they had their hearts broken. And it was, it was tough to kind of turn around and get back up for those matches. So um, it, it – changes this team uh i mean they've got the best defense in the big 10 in the last decade and knuckles was a big part of that 
Um, so it, it's hard to know kind of what this team looks like. We've only seen two matches on short notice, and one of them was without Nicklin Hames as well. And her status is kind of up in the air. Um, Cook said she played or participated in about 40% of their practice yeah. yesterday. So I don't know what exactly that that means for her availability um, tonight or tomorrow if, if they take care of business tonight. Um, so I, and I, I don't know how much they'll get the challenge. I guess ask me again after this weekend mm-hmm. to see kind of how the, they've been able to adjust with, with the changes and um, with more time on the practice court to adjust. We'll see what they look like coming out of this matchup. Um, these two matchups, I guess, because it's hard to know what kind of this team is now with the changes. I think they still believe they they can make a deep run, um, and that's the most important part. But um, again, we'll have to see how how it plays out. Jake, I kind of Jacob, I kind of feel for you on a on a funny note. Before we let you go, I know high high school basketball starts, and you and I both agreed that. Uh, Bellevue West is is the consensus number one. We were talking to Nick Ball earlier, and he was talking about Grady Dick and his maturation and only being 18 years old. And I was thinking, uh, as we both agree, the best player in the state uh, right now is Josiah Dotzler. Hard to believe Josiah is a full year older and some change than Grady Dick. Good on Bellevue West uh, and that team. And I feel bad, Jacob, that you can't start by covering <laughs> high school basketball tonight, man. I'm sentimentally you ha- you're tugging at my heartstrings, man, as you do your job covering volleyball. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll get to a, I'll get out to a game or two on Saturday. Um, have a chance to get to, to one of these kind of little mini tournament finals. Uh, so that that time of year, you got to juggle around. Um, can't get everything. I Thanks, like Jacob. To, Thanks, appreciate you. We hope that everyone out there knows too. No matter what reactions have been said on the show today, that it came from a great place. We'll see you tomorrow.